Good day, everyone. Welcome to the episode 11 of K Koji Podcast. We are your hosts, K and Koji. And today we'll be talking about the work and the different work situations uh, that we live in uh, during and before, the, before and during the pandemic. So what's happening, Kay? How are you? You were always, if I remember, you were always working from home, even before the pandemic. Yeah, I would say that the companies I've worked for over the last three years have already kind of transitioned like all of their workforce to digital or for online purposes because they're all like tech and software based companies. So there is no real importance around in-person meeting because you can largely get most of your work done online um, mm-hmm. through a lot of like different meeting tools like how everyone kind of uses like zoom or like some of these like chat platforms um, mm-hmm. like microsoft teams or, teams, like, or yep. slack or something google, like that yeah yep. or mm-hmm. use google hangouts um, mm-hmm. and it's all communication work right so do you ever so do you do you talk to your clients sometimes yes mm-hmm. um okay. my role is is very like or the roles i've had have been very largely client facing or customer facing mm-hmm. i would say um mm-hmm. but also like a lot of like internal meetings as well so mm-hmm. so just largely i would say like my customers are not only like internal customers yeah our customer is also the internal company as well. Okay. So, you know, I'm always, I'm still pretty amazed uh, to hear how you, you know, even before the pandemic, your, the companies you've worked at, uh, you know, managed to function without going into the office. Yes, it's, it's become a common understanding, uh, you know, after the pandemic that we can actually take care of things. Um, you know, being remote and through video calls, etc. But, you know, especially in my industry in finance and especially in the sales side of business, we still do, even after or during the pandemic, value, highly value, especially in the Japanese cultural context too, uh, the face-to-face in-person meetings. And I'm just very curious uh, how you feel because I, I, I feel like maybe you do get to meet your clients face to face sometimes in some cases, um, you know, before the pandemic. And how, how do you, you know, how, how do you find it like the like the communication, you know, face to face versus, uh, you know, virtual? Yeah, it's a. Uh... If I ever did any like on-site meetings with um, any like customers or clients, um, there's obviously like the preparation of you know making sure that you know you are well dressed, right? Because um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you're kind of like the representative face of the company, the company, right? Yes. And then there's also the need to commute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you need, you need to, to get there yeah yeah um and i find like a combination of that time is like the fact that you have to prepare yourself to for all mm-hmm. those things and i can't imagine mm-hmm. what that would be like as well for um 
someone that isn't like male or like let's say you're you're a woman right um mm-hmm. like the preparation time and everything else is probably yeah, it, even it could be longer it's probably yeah, longer with, with the with the makeup and everything yeah i find that there's like just more added stress involved with in-person meetings because prep time is is longer travel time mm-hmm. is longer um mm-hmm. and also uh there is the potential of like you accidentally making mistakes during an in-person meeting um okay such as so like some examples would be like uh a lot of times when it comes to um any kind of presentations you need to make mm-hmm. or you need to you know if if something comes up in the middle of the meeting um mm-hmm. online gives you a lot of flexibility where you can immediately pull up most of the information yeah. you need yeah online yeah. right yeah and you can quickly reference something um and mm-hmm. there's other advantages where if you you know, if something comes up in the middle of the meeting, like an emergency, you don't get like a phone call, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can just mute yourself, right? And then mm-hmm. you can take the phone call really quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. If it's an emergency, yes. Yeah, if it's an emergency or something like that. And then um, it's a lot easier to disconnect yourself from uh, a meeting when it's online over a meeting that is in person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I find I agree with you on, you know, the ability to pull up the information you need. Uh, you can even prepare like a little note uh, on and, and, you know, have it ready on your on your screen. Right. Some of the points, because uh, I do attend a lot of physical client meetings. And when I do that, you know, I I try to remember things before the meeting, which is a lot of work. I read over things before the meeting. I think more than how much I would need to do if I were to have a virtual meeting. So there's a lot of, you know, effort that goes into preparing for the actual meeting. And I, you know, I even write down some of the points in my little notebook uh, so that I, I, I don't forget to mention it to the client. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, say say during the meeting, if I were to have a physical meeting, client mentions something, I would have to go back to the office to pull up my file and send it over to the client. Whereas, uh, you know, if client mentions something that wasn't in the agenda for the meeting, right? Whereas in, in if it was uh, an online meeting, I could just, you know, refer to the file and show it to the client right away on, on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The all mm-hmm. the other thing that I'd probably say that makes online meetings at least a lot more advantageous to companies, mm-hmm. or also like mm-hmm. maybe for myself personally. Yes. Um. A lot of the meetings get recorded. Um. Okay. So oh, so in your company, a lot of the meetings are recorded. I think almost okay. every tech company records all their customer facing meetings. Um, okay. Maybe that's a little different on the finance industry side of things because of some of the topics that get covered. Um, but I, I think I think our meetings are not recorded unless it is required by the regulations. 
you know, we, we, we want not to have our meetings recorded unless it's required by law, right? It's like, <laughs> like our phones are like tapped and everything, but not the, you know, not the virtual meetings or sometimes uh, virtual meetings too. But yeah, please go on. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you think that is? Like, why, why do you feel that the finance industry tends to not record all of their, their meetings with their clients? Uh, we wouldn't want to unless we need to because I think it's a, a very heavily regulated uh, industry and compliance is working around the clock, right? To, to discover any potential breach. And, you know, they basically, it's, it's, it's so highly regu- regulated that, you know, every little thing, I'm not saying that, you know, breach happens all the time, but we just don't want to risk having things recorded uh, in case we make a mistake. I think that's the reason uh, because it's, it's very high. You know, we have, you know, mandatory firewalls uh, between, uh, we, even within the same, um, same, same group uh, between entities uh, that does different things, etc., etc. So, you know, I think for things that don't need to get recorded, we prefer not to. And we tend to, you know, record things in the form of, say, a call memo instead of recording the actual call. Yeah, and I think that's that's the other thing. It's that, um, you know, I don't want to say that, like, we record every mm-hmm. <laughs> meeting that we have in the tech industry, uh, largely mm-hmm. if um, the person on the other side of the, the meeting online says, like, hey, can you not record the meeting? We'll, we'll like, stop recording. Um I see. So it's not like I we see. have to do it, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of advantages to being able to um, record the meeting because one, you don't have to take as much time making notes, right? Yeah. And then like mm-hmm. summarizing what happened during the meeting and also like mm-hmm. be able to review um, what was know, discussed, what was discussed, what was mm-hmm. what went well, what didn't go well mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. um, during the whole meeting. Um and also, like, these tools are getting so advanced that um, it transcribes your entire meeting into words, like, into... Like, yeah, I, I heard, yeah, yeah. Which is super helpful if you're trying to, like, do, like, a follow-up of some sort. Um, mm-hmm. And you need to quickly, you know, if, let's say you don't want to, like, listen through the entire meeting again. You can just mm-hmm. search the text, right, mm-hmm. and then jump straight to mm-hmm. a part of that uh, meeting and you can also analyze mm-hmm. your whole meeting it's like how much of my meeting today did i spend talking like was it 70 okay. percent of the okay. meeting or okay. was it me 30 so it's very it's very very oh, sorry it's very very uh analytical yeah it's, it's uh it's very okay. intentional and like i find that the mm-hmm. online meeting and the tools surrounding online meetings mm-hmm. makes things more efficient and it also mm-hmm. improves uh, the way you communicate. I see. But if you have, because, because I, you know, I like the efficient part of the online meetings, but I also like the personal, you know, feel of a, uh, of the in-person meetings. So, you know, the, the thing I find with online meetings is that, is that when I have an online meeting, it's, it's harder to like chit chat. And, you know, basically uh, go off trail 
into another topic uh, or you know because sometimes you know we we do discover things especially in like a you know um, multi multi-product uh, sales uh, situation uh, you you go off track on a certain 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 topic and then you find new opportunities that tends to happen so I, I'm just wondering if that kind of opportunity could be lost uh, in in an online meeting and obviously I feel like you have way more experience uh, with online meetings uh, because of the industry and your, your client clientele uh, internally or externally they are also more experienced with virtual meeting meetings so you know I'm just wondering if it's just me uh, being, you know, starting to adopt to online meetings for the past 18 months or, you know, eventually I will get to, you know, a point where it's going to be no difference. You know, I will still have like a personalized uh, experience through online meetings. How, how does it feel for you? I, I do think that if we're talking about um, like my experience with online meetings so far, I, mm -hmm. I do agree with you that I've had a lot more experience doing this. Um, mm -hmm. And the thing is that it it's mostly because it's a necessity for our industry, right? Mm -hmm. When you think about it, um, I don't just work with one specific country, right? Mm -hmm. I don't just work with the, with the people within like Canada, right? I work with people in the mm -hmm. US and like pretty much all over the world. Um, okay. And so like, there's no way <laughs> I'm going to be able to have one meeting in the morning um, in person with someone in New Zealand and then mm. have another meeting with someone that's in the UK, right? There's, mm. uh, unless I'm like a Superman and I can like fly, like that's never mm. going to happen. Um, and I feel like if, especially maybe in the finance side, they tend to be yes. more localized especially for, mm -hmm. for you if you're in Japan. And so your clientele yes. is largely probably Japanese. Japanese, yep. yeah. And in Japan. Yeah. And so you don't work with um, foreign markets maybe as much as, as you do in the Japanese markets. Is that like a fair assessment that I'm making there of like maybe that's why you're not? I do work a lot with foreign markets, but it's indirect. Uh, so internally, I do work a lot with foreign markets, but there's someone else. Uh, let's say you know I'm talking about I'm you know I'm trying to do something with my client in I don't know uh, Thailand or something. Say for example, I I I do talk to my Thai colleagues all the time, uh, but at the same time I, you know I. You know, I leave the business up to the, the local colleagues uh, in Thailand to handle, you know, with the clients. So they, they, are, they are giving that, you know, face-to-face -face meetings uh, locally with the client. But then internally with my, with my colleagues in Thailand, uh, you know, it's, it's always mostly virtual. But then, you know, what typically was happening before COVID uh, was that, you know, I would travel like once a year, say, to Southeast Asia to meet like the stakeholders. Uh, within my uh, uh, client portfolio uh, to, to certain countries and try to meet the, meet the client um, stakeholders to, you know, I don't know why anymore, but at the time it felt like the right thing to do 
first to communicate the overall you know relationship with the group as well as to build a more personal uh, you know connection with the, with the client in Thailand for example and you know I, th- I think I've I'm really struggling to see what's right you know what I used to believe was the right thing to do if it's a uh, if it still stands true you know even after covid you know because because web meetings are becoming increasingly you know more mainstream and you know you're just going there just for just to give a little personal touch from japan when you already have people uh working on the ground in thailand you know it, it just starts to sound more you know absolute right so yeah yeah that's yeah, that's interesting that you that mm. you're bringing that up, um, mm. because you know you work for a rather like international company, but mm-hmm. it feels like when you when you're trying to deliver some sort of value mm-hmm. overseas, it doesn't seem as as critical when you can just communicate with the people that operate in that particular country, right? Yes, um, yes, and then let them handle the the face-to-face side of things um, mm-hmm. or the in-person side of things. So I can understand that. Um, yeah. I, I think finance is one of those like weird ones where it's very like yes. relationship yes. heavy, right? Yes. Yes. Like the, like the product and the value that finance gives is not entirely clear in what you're, what you and, deliver. And I think, I think, I think also because, you know, it's there are many players in finance, and it's all about numbers, right? Really, like you know, the, the pricing of this is that. And actually, besides the numbers, there are many things that are not quantifiable in finance. You know, let's say you're going to make a public issuance of some sort. Who's gonna buy it? Who has a better access to the investors? Yes, it's it's to some extent quantifiable, but really, like if if you are within the top bracket of of uh, financial institutions that can offer the same service then relationship really you know places you uh further than uh, your competitors so i think that's why it's uh, relationship heavy yeah and, no yeah. that's that that makes a ton of sense mm-hmm. um i feel with on the tech side of things mm-hmm. like <laughs> like tech doesn't give a fuck about your relationship <laughs> i mean i mean i think yeah they, I, so I, I wanted to hear your view that's why yeah yeah there is maybe some relationship involved if there's like competitors right of the same mm-hmm. product i think that's where like relationship management yep. and like your ability to like make sure that you know your customers stay with you and not go somewhere else but on the mm-hmm. tech side of things it's like everyone's trying to make a new thing and so mm-hmm. a lot of the times there isn't very much competition. There's like no big three, right? There's no like mm-hmm. large mm-hmm. biggest three institutional organization, um, mm-hmm. unless like you're 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 like a Google, Apple, or a Facebook, or I guess they're called Meta now. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but, like, but like if you're one, if, unless you're like one of those three, everything else mm-hmm. on the tech side of things is all still like considered like new. Um, mm-hmm. And the markets are so nascent that it's very easy to do 
like customer acquisition is like very easy. Um, because it's just new technology and, and it's, it's very easy to convey the value of your product, right? Um, well, if the market is rather nascent, then it, it can mm-hmm. be harder. It becomes, it's mm-hmm. actually harder to, to um, talk about the value. But when, when, they, when the adoption of the, the product or the service happens on the tech side of things, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. it's very easy for you to maintain the relationship without being so interpersonal. Because they okay. can see the immediate output, right, of what's happening mm-hmm. with their mm-hmm. use of your product or service. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's where it defers. It's like your yeah the customer the nature ac- of yeah. yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. your customer acquisition cost on the finance side of things is mm-hmm. a lot higher because there's yeah. so much things you have to do to maintain the relationship. Whereas on yeah. the tech side of things, the customer acquisition cost is like very low, but mm-hmm. the lifetime value of your customer is very high like the cost of like maintaining um like having them stay with you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is much more um high is is a lot higher there's a lot engineering and research and development and stuff like that that goes on Mm -hmm. whereas on on the Mm -hmm. finance side it's like once you have the relationship um it's less likely for that customer to to leave on in the finance side because and once you have a relationship and you have some you know institutional relationship you know you know all the managers or you know the management within the company and you have some products you know implemented you know once once a bank starts handling all of your payments then it's it's really hard to switch yeah from one bank to another yeah you, really. yeah it's really yeah. sticky right and it's hard for them mm-hmm. to to, to leave i think that's where mm-hmm. like tech is starting to realize where their weakness is on, is on the relationship mm-hmm. side it's like how do we become more human right how do you become more interpersonal yeah yeah um, yeah and actually that's kind of like where where i want to maybe do a quick segue into um a discussion maybe on 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 the tech side of things where uh, mm-hmm. you know how like apple has their own chip now right like a they're all built, yeah. like all the big tech companies seem to be building their own building their own chips nowadays. Yeah, yeah their own like CPU mm-hmm. chips or or, or, mm-hmm. or chips to like drive their hardware, like uh, Apple mm-hmm. M1 chip, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. Google has their Tensor cores, right? Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to like bring up was that the Google Tensor core specifically, um, not necessarily the the M1. The M1 is like yeah. more of like a super efficient uh low energy draw and high compute chip okay. that does really good things and, and makes like your laptop last longer and you know mm-hmm. do more things easily and multi do okay. multi- multiple things a lot quicker but mm-hmm. i think people are overlooking sounds, sounds great though yeah, yeah. it sounds what, 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 what? it's awesome yeah, it sounds great sounds like a dream yeah yeah and i, I feel like mm-hmm. the apple m1 chip is getting so much praise while mm-hmm. the google tensor core is kind of being overlooked like it's not okay like people don't realize actually that the tensor core is probably more important than the m1 chip Okay, so what's the difference? Uh, when did when did Tensor Core, um, you know, uh, come out? Well, the Tensor Cores have been around for a while because of like okay. Nvidia and stuff like that. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the first time Google has like made their own like chip as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and why I wanted to bring up about the Tensor Core specifically is in yes. relation to like their artificial intelligence related to the Tensor Cores has everything built into it. Like there's an AI built into the Tensor Cores um, of their okay. chips. Um, okay. So one example of that would be um, something you're probably actually probably everyone's very familiar with, but they don't really think about is mm-hmm. Google's natural language processing functionalities. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is um, when you hit the record button and you talk and you say your voice, um, Google will pull the audio of your voice into Mm -hmm. their chip inside your phone. And -hmm. then it would do either one of two things. It'll either automatically transcribe Mm -hmm. your voice into text, right? Mm -hmm. Or... It will automatically pull your audio and translate your language oh, from okay. English, let's say, to okay. Japanese. Mm-hmm. And originally mm-hmm. how Google was trying to tackle the transcription functionalities, um, natural mm-hmm. language processing, and like auto conversion of your language mm-hmm. from one language to another is to mm-hmm. send that information to their Google servers, do all the natural yeah. language processing yeah. there, and then send mm-hmm. it over. So it's, it's done like, you know, or in, in the cloud or like outside. Yeah, yeah. Like you have to be connected mm-hmm. to the internet. But mm-hmm. Tensor Cores, because the AIs are built into the chip, you don't... That is crazy. You don't need, yeah. like, the ability to connect to the cloud for that chip to still work. So let's say you're in the middle of the mountains in Tibet or something. Mm-hmm. And you don't know how to speak their language at all. Mm-hmm. And your phone has mm-hmm. no internet connection. You could still use their natural languaging process. So, so now the technology can be a communication enhancer. Yeah. Um, and I, okay. think, I think that's where um, I'm trying to... I think that's where it naturally flows to, which is that mm-hmm. even though we're talking about how this like online meetings and... Mm-hmm. Um, our ability to record our meetings and how, you know, it's kind of breaking away from um, improving the relationship. I actually think it's Mm -hmm. the inverse because Mm. during this entire time of COVID, there's been so many companies popping up specifically focused on how do we manage relationships and maintain that personal interpersonal meeting, but Mm -hmm. how do we turn that into tech? And so, oh, okay. and so what okay. happens is like the emergence of all that research and development, when mm-hmm. everyone starts to meet face to face, that only mm-hmm. enhances and adds on top of the experience. So let's say, for example, right, in your situation yes. where you were saying you're going to go to Thailand, right? Let's say you have to go mm-hmm. back to Thailand, right? Later down the road. Yes. Now yes. you don't even need your, your Thai counterparts. Colleague. Yeah. yeah. You can just bring your phone and translate it look at it and then just translate it back and then give it to them because the the natural language processing not only will convert your audio to text and then convert Mm -hmm. it into another language for them to read Mm -hmm. but you can also Mm -hmm. get the tensor core or the their natural language processing tool to also Mm -hmm. speak back in their own language (laughs) okay okay so it'll be robotic right but google's been working on a lot of their like um, 
their AI like mm-hmm. tools so that mm-hmm. the audio language sounds a lot more natural, like a human person. Okay. Of, like, okay. You know, I I just I just I'm just curious, like, to see how like accurate or you know how accurate their really like their translation could be. It's pretty accurate. That would be it is like actually okay. incredibly accurate. I would probably say like. 85 to 90 percent of the time it gets it right okay okay but you know word to word translation yes probably uh but what i'm saying is that you know also taking into account like the cultural context because oh for sure when you say the same exact thing in english to a japanese person for example you need to like tone it down by like you know 30 40 percent so to have the same impact and the meaning so you know what i mean right so so that's the interesting thing is that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the reason why i i look at maybe google stuff a little bit more than Mm -hmm. what apple does and you know apple does great things like there are some things about apple that i like and then obviously there's a bunch of stuff about apple i really don't like (laughs) (laughs) uh but okay uh, i really feel that people are undercutting like all of the AI functionality and they're not paying close mm-hmm. attention to it uh, because if you use their natural language processing more, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. artificial. This, it's called artificial intelligence for a reason. It learns. Yep. So the more you okay. use it, the better it understands the nuance. And so maybe the first okay. time you use okay. like the tool, it's like 50% right. Right. Mm. It's kind of garbage. Mm. But the more mm-hmm. you use it, and the more it notices your pattern, your your speaking patterns, it'll start to. You mean like the it. more people use it, like does the knowledge or like the the learning get accumulated? Uh, you know, you know, uh, across devices. So or it's like one on one. My understanding because, is because you don't need to device, connect to the cloud, right? Yeah. Yeah, my understanding is that the device yeah. itself um, will know your profile. Okay. Of like how your speech gets recognized. So they'll understand mm-hmm. you very well. And then mm-hmm. it'll take everyone else's way of like speech pattern and put mm-hmm. it all into this big, bigger AI that Google has. Wow. So that so, it has a, wow. an auto response and you're training this even bigger like artificial intelligence. And then when that artificial intelligence becomes super good, it will get downloaded back onto your personal device to update that mm-hmm. AI to be the next evolution of itself. Wow. So actually, the machine will get to know the human mind, basically, you know. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And just put it into different languages, in, in different cultural contexts. Cultural contexts are, you know, how we express the mind of ourselves. But really, like, the machine gets to understand the human mind. Yeah. You know, what's, what's really at the source of, wow. Okay, that's some, like, Skynet stuff. Yeah, but, it's, uh, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying, but it's also, like, you can kind of see the benefits that happen as a result of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What, one, like, additional extension to this whole artificial intelligence thing is that, you know, Apple and Meta or Facebook, well, I'm just going to call them Facebook yes. because we know, yeah. know they're, yeah. they're Facebook, right? I'm not going to call them mm-hmm. Meta. Um, mm-hmm. But we know, like, Microsoft you know, Google and Facebook are all building these like glasses. Yeah. Right. That have like a little screen or monitor inside them. Mm-hmm. So imagine you have a, so they're coming back. Cause I, I, I remember there used to be a uh, Google glasses and they kind of disappeared for 
quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Facebook is making, they have like this the partnership with like Ray-Ban or whatever. I'm sure there'll be like other types of things as well. But, but we know okay. that for sure Apple and Facebook are building glasses that have like mm-hmm. screens built into them. And I wouldn't be okay. surprised that um, natural language processing is going to be embedded into those glasses so you can record your mm-hmm. meetings that you have in person and it'll automatically translate what they're saying to you without you having to interface with your phone. I see, I see. And then as they're talking, it'll be translating on the fly for you so you know exactly so what you're saying. So you, can, you can't even put like a subtitle yeah. on the person who's talking. Yeah, it's like, it's like and, when you watch Netflix yeah. and there's a subtitle going mm-hmm. on. It's like when you're talking to a person, mm-hmm. there's nonstop like immediate subtitles yeah. happening. Wouldn't it be crazy if, you know, even if we, you know, if, even if the person is speaking, you know, the same language, the, 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 the AI would be able to digest and understand based on that person's speech patterns, what he or she really means. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that they're doing that. Um, and they would probably also do like analytics or synthesis of like opportunity. Mm-hmm. So if you're on the sales side, right? And yes. you have those glasses on. And as they're talking, mm-hmm. it will mark yeah. down important points and bring them up as suggestions to talk about and refer yeah. them to like maybe all the talking points or the particular like products and services that you have mm-hmm. to like make you more effective at being able to like sell shit to people. I see. I see. But if that happens, then do we need sales training anymore? Probably not. You would just need you would just use like the glasses as a guide. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what do we use our brains for if that happens? Well, we're effectively leaning, you'll probably end up leaning so much on technology that um, mm-hmm. what like the human condition becomes basically just like, like the human body is just like the yeah. marketing tool. <laughs> yeah. And it's like tofu. We are becoming tofu. <laughs> I wouldn't say we're like, we become tofu, but it's it's more of like the presence of a human is more of like yeah. a PR tool. And then like all the yeah. actual like important stuff that goes on is being powered mm-hmm. by the AI. The, yeah. The AI. Well. Well, I mean, and, and like we can go yeah. a step even further, which is a lot creepier, mm-hmm. where if we're talking within mm-hmm. the context of like Facebook, right? If mm-hmm. you're going around with these glasses, right? And I think they showed this like many years ago when, um, or Google did, when they showcased their first iteration of Google glasses. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're yep. looking at people and you're walking down the street, you no longer have mm-hmm. to remember people's names because it would highlight those oh, people. Are? Yeah. And they'll yeah. show you the names of these people what their position is at what company, how long you might have known them for based on your past calendar mm-hmm. history and like all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Um, it tells you all, all, the, all the interactions you had, right? So you don't actually have to, like their birthdays, their personal attributes that you have encountered, right? This is what happened. <laughs> that sounds pretty convenient because I'm, I'm usually pretty bad with names and faces. Right, it would be so, pretty useful. Yeah, I mean, I'm also terrible with yeah. names as well, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Just be happy okay. to have that is, would be amazing. Um, that would be amazing. But then, but you know, at the same time, that makes me worry. You know, uh, I think because in our society now, your ability to communicate and you know build connections with people is, I think it's a, it's one of the, you know, 
one of uh, one of the most important skills to live in the society. Uh, but that is also going to, you know, in in that in that in that in that world uh, that you just described, that is also going to be, uh, you know, replaced by or uh, you know replaced by the AI, which is uh, you know, which makes me think, you know, as a person, what do I look for? You know, when I'm trying to develop myself. Because I do put in a lot of work on my ability to communicate with people. But if that is being replaced, then what what is going to make the competitive advantage, you know? So it's it's more of like an enhancement. That's kind of the way I'm seeing it. Okay, um, okay. Well, of course, of course, the example you just described is it's like, you know, super perfect world, right? So yeah, it's, uh, I, I think yeah. largely if there's anything that maybe mm-hmm. AI can't do well is that they don't have physical presence in the mm-hmm. real world. Like there's no like Android or robot <laughs> yet. <laughs> that mm-hmm. what about AR or like you know a VR world, right? Yeah, well, what I'm talking time. about just now is like yeah. mostly AR or augmented reality mm-hmm. because it's an mm-hmm. overlay of yeah your data points and then your digital mm-hmm. interactions mm-hmm. Um, w- while you are, you know, engaging with the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is the, the most important thing that will never change is mm-hmm. as a, a human being interacting with another human being the most critically important thing that has to uh, continue to persist is like the personality mm-hmm. of the in, of the person you're talking to, and the ego. Okay. So it's not like the the it's not like the the chip or whatever that you're using is going to hijack your brain, and then tell you to like say these words. It's yeah. mostly giving mm-hmm. suggestions and best. Okay best okay. solutions that might who knows that might actually influence you in some way that you mm-hmm. feel that you're being mm-hmm. mind controlled but really it's just like mm-hmm. a suggestion tool okay um okay and you whether you take it or not is up to you but it'll give you like mm. you know probabilities of like your su- success of using these right okay. over over okay. others um it's kind of like a a, a point and click adventure adventure game at that point right you know what I mean? Yeah, and and, and also, <laughs> you know, actually, like, something similar is already happened, right? To like, let's say, uh, customer service centers. I think they're just looking at the screen and typing in whatever you tell them, uh, and and uh, and their CRM software is just going to give them, you know, how to guide the customers, what to say exactly, etc. Yeah, well, I mean, most of the online chat tools that you see, like the mm-hmm. customer service um, yeah. chat boxes, they're all bots. They're all robots. Hmm. <laughs> until you hit, until you hit a question, which is hard to answer, right? Yeah, and then it goes yeah. to maybe a, a person, um, mm. either in your area or overseas, in India. In, yeah, yeah. potentially customer service yeah. in India or Southeast Asia or something. Yeah, yeah, Philippines um, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I would probably say that even though like a lot of the, um this interaction of like service is 
mm-hmm. trying to be like outsourced or turned into like a robot, mm-hmm. it's very easy to tell how good a company or service is when they mm-hmm. are hiring people locally. Do you know what I mean? It's like if if you're a Japanese company, mm-hmm. 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 you would want to hire yeah. Japanese people to work mm-hmm. with their Japanese clientele, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think any of that still gets lost because there's yeah. there's comfort. It just shows, yeah, it shows it shows a commitment. I think on the on the companies, you know, from the clients' perspective, and, and also like having someone present on the ground, it really makes, uh, yeah, gives comfort uh, to the clients. Yeah, it's like it's like familiarity, right? It's like it's not like mm-hmm. some thing where it's like, oh, this is some entirely different person of another nationality that might not really mm-hmm. understand like mm-hmm. how our culture works and stuff like that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but like they would rather prefer to especially within the context of like work and mm-hmm. and business there's a lot of like there's a lot of like no nonsense that goes on um but also mm-hmm. there's a lot mm-hmm. of nonsense that happens when you're trying to manage yeah. the relationship so yeah yeah um, yeah, I, I don't want to like scare anyone. I just want to say that it's just going to be like an enhancement on top of what you're doing that mm-hmm. will make things a lot easier for folks to. I think it's it's more of like a productivity tool in a way, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, frankly speaking, I do spend a lot of time, you know, uh, preparing for meetings. I I do spend a lot of time, you know, writing up my call memos, etc. You know, with, with that, I think it's. It's very straightforward and it, it could be helped. I mean, uh, it, it sounds like a great tool. Like I would, I would probably imagine. Like, how much time do you spend reviewing everything? Um, after that, it's like maybe thirty minutes of work. Like uh, writing up a memo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's even worse. I mean, it's it's better if it's a virtual meeting, right? Because I can just like write down uh, the points during the meeting. And and I just need to like proofread and finalize. So it's like five ten minutes. But whereas if I you know, handwrite my notes or, you know, uh, during the meeting, then it's, uh, yeah, sometimes I can't read what I wrote. Sometimes I, I lose track of uh, what I was thinking uh, during my ride home uh, back to the office or something like that. So, you know, a lot of information does get lost. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. uh, yeah, I just wanted to like bring that up because I, I do feel that, um, Work is becoming a lot more efficient uh, Mm -hmm. in some of the right ways. And with like, I don't think online meetings, like the the whole remote work thing is going to go Mm -hmm. away, Um, at least for certain Mm -hmm. industries. I do think for other industries, Mm -hmm. you still have to go back. I think depends, depends on like the, you know, as you, as you said, uh, relationship heaviness, right? Like how, how heavy, um, you know how much how much the relationship aspect of the of the of the business uh, weighs within the within the within the business. Uh, I think it really depends, um, and I think the more important the relationship is, uh, the you know the the, the likelihood that uh, interpersonal meeting is going to be valued. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's yeah. it's really funny because I'll, mm. when I start to talk to a lot of other solutions that like like when I talk to like a lot of other businesses 
that heavily mm-hmm. rely on relationship. Um, mm-hmm. the, the people that I talk to, and especially myself, like we can't wait until like technology gets rid of lawyers. <laughs> like, like, like we can't wait to to like yeah. basically I mean, tech lawyers yeah. out of existence. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, they're, yeah. like, scum <laughs> of the industry, <laughs> of, like, the business world. Like, they provide literally no fundamental functional value except, like, oh, okay, slow down the process of, like, getting things mm. done or, like, like, like I, overcomplicate yeah, processes. I, um, <laughs> I, I think in, in a business context, uh, I mean, for, in my line of work especially, uh, lawyers usually just check the documents, right? Yeah. They're there to ninety percent of the time, yeah. Their their job is to proofread and make sure that you know the the documentation is in in alignment with the company's uh you know policy or you know um, or whatever you know whatever company is comfortable uh, signing. Ten percent is more creative, I think, uh, especially in in the financial industry because it's uh you know there's a lot of regulatory restrictions and when we're trying to do something new. Uh, within the business, we need uh, the advice from the, you know, the legal counsel. So, but I think a lot of like the documentation checking work. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if it can be automated so that I can, you know, I'd have to worry about the lawyer going home or, you know, <laughs> or him being too, too, too occupied with other documents uh, and not being, being, being able to come back to me soon enough, stuff like that. If they can be automated, yeah, that would be fantastic yeah. <laughs> yeah i think everyone just like doesn't like lawyers <laughs> yeah um because if we're talking about like machine learning and like an ability to like read over a document validate check and cross-reference like mm-hmm. i think ai would be so much better than humans it would 100 percent be better than humans yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because who knows that that lawyer might have had a drink that day and you know they didn't read the document properly and there's like a like literally one typo is like the difference between a $10,000 contract and a $100,000 contract or a $10 million contract right or <laughs> like like something stupid like that or like one one mistake because it's not compliant means that you have to redo the entire like Documentation. documentation or it just destroys the entire like deal because Contract, yeah because like you know something was was done improperly whereas a robot mm-hmm. doesn't need to sleep it doesn't need to eat it works 24 7 um you know and, and it gets back to you instantly it gets back to you instantly yeah. and if it fails once it's highly unlikely that it won't fail again because it's encountered that problem already right because it's a robot right it remembers mm-hmm. the problems um it's you won't re- forget things yeah unless like the whole system is down then that's different right then mm-hmm. uh, or it gets hacked or something but and and lawyers you know they don't get paid so little right <laughs> <laughs> well yeah there's there's also that as well i mean i think lawyers will probably still exist but mostly for mm-hmm. managing relationships between human beings so like uh mm-hmm. you know when when there's crime or like when there is like uh you know relationship issues and stuff like that like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for uh yeah like i think this this manual pro- i think a lot of lawyers i mean maybe out of work but i think some some will really appreciate you know that shift because i mean 
I hope they don't like to check documents. <laughs> nobody. I hope nobody gets you know needs to go through that. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm telling you, man. Um, in finance, right? It's easy to have a hundred page uh agreements. Easy all the time. So, you know, I would. You know, I don't mind just like skimming through it to finding out like finding out like important sections and just reading them. But lawyers need to read every single thing, and that's. Well, a lot of times we just end up reading the executive summary, right? Which is what, mm. which is what it's supposed to do. It's like a one pager. You read it, and it's supposed to give you everything you need um, mm. to know, understand what the one hundred page document is all about. Um, mm. and, but but for lawyers, they need to check everything that because that's that's what gets signed, right? Yeah, that's what gets signed. Mm. So that's where all like mm. the the weird sneaky and and like <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> shit and like oh is all it is all no it. <laughs> no that that little that little like if it's an and or or it really makes a lot of difference right yeah it's just like <laughs> man it's just it's just like a bunch of bullshit <laughs> so, that, so that there's like some weird stuff that they yeah. can do um yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I think things like it's it's basically wordplay, right? Things I would like things a lot of times I I can't even catch when I just read through it, and then the lawyer lawyer points it out like, hey, this is what it is. You can't do this. Yeah, <laughs> but I do give all of my respect for the the corporate lawyer that works in my company because, I mean, I can never work like that. You know, it's a, you know, I can never take on the responsibility of checking like every single word in a, in a contract well yeah. well a lawyer typically won't do that right there's usually like an intern that they would hire or like a like other legal support that they would have around uh, in in i think in a corporate setting like a corporate lawyer checks everything oh okay well that makes sense but uh yeah is there any other like challenges you feel have been coming up when it comes to working remotely or like where do you feel do you think you you lose a lot not being able to talk to your colleagues in person oh yeah i think well definitely so you know i'm just wondering how you do it because there's a lot of in you know when i go to the office i i like working from home you know because it's efficient but actually i also do enjoy going to the office for work reasons uh because it's easy to have a more informal communication when i'm working in the office and I, we actually hired a new grad a couple of years ago and because because it was covid time she she, she started uh last last year in 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 uh, in april and because it was covid times uh you know the, the the new grad was sent home to work from home from the from the get-go basically you know she was a new grad out of college and she's working full-time working from home from the start and it was i i think it was not the right choice to make because I, I think when you start working, uh, you you get a lot of informal, you know, um, communications with your colleagues, and and I think not just for new grad, but you know that's how you, that's 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 how a lot of information gets shared, 
within the within the office and and also like i got to make not just external with clients but i got to make some like workmates too right which ultimately made my job easier but i think that problem would not exist if an organization is run perfectly efficiently and everyone everyone knew what everyone else is doing and it's very clear and everyone took their responsibility yes that then then that kind of you know uh, informal communication relationship building within the organization is not needed but you know we're humans after all and i think that tends to happen so so how 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 do you feel like when i tell you this that's interesting i didn't i haven't really literally thought too much about like new graduates entering the workforce to have to immediately go mm-hmm. into remote work mm-hmm. i think you you said something that is like you highlight something there that was like really important right which is if you are a new grad mm-hmm. and your entire experience of like working in teams have been yeah. in person in a university or mm-hmm. college setting and you mm-hmm. go into a workforce yeah. where there's and... no oversight mm-hmm. and if the natural organizational structure is highly reliant on micromanagement because i feel like mm-hmm. asian culture asian businesses have a lot of yeah fucking micromanagers yeah. that look like <laughs> shoulder and shit and like do weird yeah. stuff um yeah like if your culture is like that mm-hmm. then i'm not surprised now that you bring it up that the mm-hmm. the new grad that you've hired is not effective in work because they haven't mm-hmm. built up that um they haven't built they, they, that they, rep- they expect they expect to be you know going into the workforce they you know before covid they expect to be micromanaged yeah they expect guidance right on like what yeah to they do. expect guidance yeah and that, that you know that's i think that's the way you know japanese new grads are you know thinking entering into the workforce so yeah, so I think there's there's uh, there's certainly going to be struggle. Yeah, definitely. Um, maybe on the Western side of things, I think that's that's kind of like the big difference, right? Where um, that cultural difference in the workforce, it doesn't work. Like the whole remote work thing doesn't work well. Um, where there's the people below the hierarchy is very heavily reliant on the instructions of the folks above them. Like, if you have good work ethic, I think that's where I'm trying mm-hmm. to get to, is that yeah. okay. if you're someone okay. that already has really good work ethic, mm-hmm. or you have enough experience working mm-hmm. with people, mm-hmm. the transition over to online is not that big of a leap. Like, you're going to experience some pain for, like, six months trying to transition mm-hmm. over to this whole, like, online remote work thing. But at, mm-hmm. you eventually figure it out and it starts working for you. But if you're a new graduate mm-hmm. and you've never had... Like, it's, you, you, need, you, need, uh, you need connections. Or a new graduate or someone who is newly, you know, onboarded to the company, joining the company. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like not everything gets, is, is written down in, in the organization. And, you know you don't get a chance to meet with people 
you know, who are not, you know, directly, you know, connected to you within the organization. But sometimes you want to ask or you want to have an informal, like, ask to, to the person you're not directly involved with on certain topics related to your work, just, just to seek guidance, you know. But, you know, I feel like it's, it's more difficult if, you know, you, you never get accustomed to the, the, the organization physically. If you feel that you need to like speak to someone informally, like we actually all have access to each other's calendars. So we would just like, Oh, in your company. Yeah. Okay. So we would just like look for the person's name, see if, when they're available and then like take time in their calendar so that we can talk to them. Um, I see. But would you be able to, would you feel comfortable doing that to someone, you know, who you have never met or talked to? Well, that's kind of where like all these like, um, chat tools come in, right? It's like you would reach out to them first and say, oh, okay. like, hey, are you okay. available to like talk or sometime? Mm. And then it's like, mm. if they're like, yes, then it's like, then you just put something on their calendar mm. and then you have something set up. I feel like that the mm. barrier of that happening in the West is a lot less of a concern. Mm-hmm. Whereas it, mm-hmm. maybe in Asian culture, I it's think a lot, it's, it's, it's a, a bigger lot concern in a, in a, in a, in a, in an Asian culture. And especially if you are, you know, say like a new grad, right? As you mentioned, it's a, it's a hierarchical. So a new grad can just, you know, yes, they can. Of course they can. They're allowed to. They're not, they're not prohibited or anything. But in, in, the, in the cultural like sense, new grad wouldn't just suddenly contact uh, like a team head of another team and start asking questions on certain topics, right? Right, yeah. yeah. I think that's yeah. kind of where the 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 big difference is is that the west has that advantage western culture has that advantage because a lot of the times Mm -hmm. it's self-serve right Mm -hmm. like they're Mm -hmm. all like everyone that enters the force the like that enters like the workforce um will be more likely to go to to like more likely to reach out and learn if they don't know or if they don't understand Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. And there's less of a hierarchy. It feels more like a flat structure because um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. everyone's kind of trying to work on along the same wavelength of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's more North American. Like I think Western, like even even amongst the Western folks, uh, I think like Europeans still have a lot of hierarchy going on, and they they care a lot about the structure of the organization, but. I think when it comes to North America, you know, especially like Canada and the United States, uh, no, one, no one gives a they, fuck yeah. what your title is. As long yeah, as no one gives a fuck, job. and especially, especially in <laughs> in the in the tech industry. Oh yeah, definitely. No yeah. one really cares if, uh, unless like you know, you're trying to build a relationship with them. Yeah. If you're you have a CEO or a VP or whatever in your title, it's like mm. okay. <laughs> Uh-huh. And <laughs> what else do you do? Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. So because because it's you know, because it's not like the culture is not as I guess it's not it's not relationship oriented, it's it's about substance. Yeah. Only. It's like it's it's a meritocracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what what are your skills? What can you bring to mm-hmm. the table? Mm-hmm. Can it you... doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't really yeah. matter who you are and like what you did mm-hmm. in your last job kind of thing Mm -hmm. i'm actually Mm -hmm. a little interested because like finance is this like weird thing 
where it's, it's about who you are. It's about it's, it's who you are. It's always about yeah. who you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, so so and the text side, it's like, what can you do? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. what can you do for me? And then mm-hmm. in the finance side, it's like, who are you? And how do I become your friend? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's a, it's a, it's like a different universe almost. Yeah. You know, now that I hear about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting in that sense. What are your thoughts on working with with Europeans? Because I know you have some. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have. Um... <laughs> I've complained. In yes. <laughs> <laughs> some occasions. Yeah. I mean, I I do work with different European uh, nationals. Uh, just, you know, really my personal thought, I, I find Germans easiest to work with, but maybe, maybe, maybe because they all speak good English, but also because they are punctual and they really get straight to the point. And, and I, I feel like when they say something, they mean it. That's what it is. You know, that's what it is and that's what's going to happen. It's very crystal clear. Yeah, it's, it's a, you know, I, I think they're, they're very efficient at working. Um, they don't like to, I think the way they work is very efficient. That, that's that's what I like. That you know, that's what I like about working with Germans. Because you're Japanese, um, that's why. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, that's that's also also a possibility. Yeah, like you guys. Like, I think that's I think like Germans, the same wavelength Germ- of like. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Basically, actually, I talked to my German friends, and you know, uh, yeah, I, I can sense the wavelength similarity. Except that German people are more direct. Mm. I think German people, like German people, are more direct when it comes to communication. Right. You know, communicating, which makes it more efficient, in my perspective, mm-hmm. than a Japanese culture. Yeah. So Germans, Germans, I like working with a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, if I may, not so much the. I also like with working with people from Switzerland. Okay. They're nice, but you know they they speak German too. Right? Yeah. And and French a little bit. Yeah. Uh, France, French people. Not really <laughs> all that much because they 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 talk very long and their accents are kind of hard to handle sometimes, <laughs> and they they really don't like when they speak. It's it puts me to sleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, French people. I love I love I have I have some good French like friends from France, but you know. It's uh, it's just it's just it's just sometimes hard working with French people because of that, you know. I just don't get when I have a conversation. I could be talking for we could be talking or that the French person could be talking for thirty minutes about something that can be communicated in five. <laughs> That's how I feel. Maybe it's just a language barrier. Maybe it's just like they're they're having a hard time like converting what they're trying to say in French into English and because of the way the thing about like the French language mm-hmm. is it's that it's very descriptive like it's like it, yeah. it's very like yeah, very story driven mm-hmm. and it's also like yeah it's, it's like a whole story yeah it's very you know? like their language yeah. is kind of surrounded around that mm-hmm. and there's a lot mm-hmm. of like emphasis upon like 
male and female in their language. Okay. Like, and so it's very interpersonal. Mm. Um, and so that's probably where, <laughs> where, where things become a little bit difficult when they're trying to describe yeah. things. Um, mm. and, and it doesn't get to the point either. Yeah, like that, you know, they, they have a, they, they always like to draw like the grand picture, but they never get to the point. That, that's, that's the impression I have. Yeah. So, yeah. Got it. So it's kind of like you're going in and you're looking at a painting mm-hmm. and the, the way they're describing things is like the painting, but you don't understand what the theme of the painting is because they're not telling you what the theme is. <laughs> like, what is this painting mm-hmm. supposed to be? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're telling me a hundred, you know, a hundred stro- stories about the painting, you know, but uh, so what is it supposed to be? Yeah. How do I make this painting? Yeah. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what is this supposed to mean for me? That's that's mm-hmm. the... But, but, you know, actually, I like French people in a way because they they always have a good idea about how things should be. They, they're good at, I think, painting like a big picture. Hmm. Hmm. They, they're, they're, they have a good vision. Yeah, vision and, con- you know, conceptualization, but... I think not so good at execution. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be like a very similar problem I see with um, people here in like when I work with people in the US, actually. Yes. Oh yeah. I guess that's, that's, that's somewhat true. Um, I'd probably say like, if you're not an immigrant that moved to the US, mm-hmm. I do feel that, People that are non-immigrants into the U.S. have mm-hmm. awesome vision and can communicate what they want. What do you mean by, like, how do you define immigrants? Like, second generation, third generation? Um, like, first and then second generation, I would probably say. Okay. Um, okay. Like, they're really good at communicating what the vision is and what they want. Mm-hmm. But they're, mm-hmm. they're like, like not (laughs) their execution their ability to execute is severely lacking whereas people that immigrate in here or they're like a second generation of immigrants they are Mm -hmm. amazing at execution but their vision and their ability to see the big picture is Mm -hmm. is like limited very limited because Mm. of the culture they're coming from and moving into a place okay. that focuses a lot on the big idea, right? Like, what is the... Mm. I, I feel like the West is, like, all about the big idea. And then mm-hmm. over on the Asian... Over in Asian culture, it's all about how execution. do we... Execution. Yeah, it's all about yeah. execution. Yeah. How do you get it? No, uh, definitely. And, you know, sometimes uh, the, the the Japanese, you know, companies or Japanese people in general, they get caught up on execution so much. And they, they're missing out on the... You know, they're maniacs about execution. Like doing it right uh, and doing it properly. Doing it right. Yeah. Doing it right. And doing it so precisely. But then they're missing on the, you know... So they're, they're going to make the perfect version of what they think is right. But they might be missing the picture. So they might be putting the perfect product in the wrong place. <laughs> it's like trying to, put, gets, trying to put a ball yeah. into a square hole. Is what they're trying exactly. to do. Exactly. <laughs> and then they, they throw it out there. It's like a it's like it's like not really looking at the market, not really looking at the bigger trend within the market. Then they put the perfect product in the wrong place, wrong time. And then that gets picked up by somebody else ten years down the road. 
and then it, it becomes super popular. That happens, you know, with, with I think a lot of things, you know, that Japan does. Um, yeah, so I think that's uh, that's uh, that's that's tough. Uh, you know, that I think that's that's really the weakness of Asian culture. Sometimes it could be, and you know, I I, I read something. I you know, I want your thoughts on this too. But uh, the type of innovation that gets uh, done in Japan is more on the repetition, and and it's not it's not it's not a breakthrough type of innovation, right? It's 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 a, it's a build up uh, innovation that takes place in Japan. So you know, like okay, we build an engine that can run for ten thousand, uh, you know, hundred thousand miles without without oil change. Next year we'll we'll build uh, an engine that can, you know, that can uh, run eleven hundred thousand miles uh, without without oil change stuff like that. You, you know, we are we are slowly improving uh, point A to B, uh, whereas whereas the, the that type of innovation that gets valued or that is more prominent prominent in Western or say North American culture is you know okay how do we get from point A to Z. Or you know, like even further, and you know, it's it's like a jump, and it, you're just breaking the, you're breaking the, you know, or from point A to, you know, point A to seven, you know, like you're not go- following the path, you're basically just, you know, breakthrough. You're 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 looking for breakthrough, from whatever you know. That's that status quo, and it's it's you know, I, I think it's a funny it's a funny thing because that's basically what I work on every day in my job today. I see. It's like uh, I see. Uh, so, like, I think what you're talking about is that the the Western mindset tends to be output like outcome focused. How do we mm-hmm. get to the outcome that we want? Whereas in Asian culture, it's all output focused. Yeah. What is it that we yeah. are delivering? at this particular mm. time, at this particular date, based on these mm-hmm. particular parameters, right? It, like, it's very, like, yeah. structured. Whereas, yeah. like, in the West, they don't care how you come up to the idea and how long it takes. They just want to know how do we eventually get to, you know, exactly. the thing that they're talking about, right? Yeah, um, they're, they're more, yeah. And it could be exactly, less efficient, right? It could be less efficient, like, compared yeah. to, like, the way... Uh, you know, Eastern cultures look at stuff, but ultimately mm-hmm. because they know what they want at the end, um, mm-hmm. you get there at some point. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, you know, a lot of products that came out of, you know, the, the American cultures or, you know, that type of innovation, it's, 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 it's really not where say like a, like an Asian company was trying to go for, but then it, it, it got there. And that's what took over the market, because, yeah, because it's not it's not it's not focused on the output, right? It's it's a uh, it's made the right outcome. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. funny that we're talking about this because that's literally what I work on like every day. <laughs> I see. I see. Because <laughs> I find I don't think it's a the the whole like output problem is a systematic problem that exists not only in Asian culture, it exists like everywhere. Um, Okay. It's more of like, how do you bring the output culture underneath Mm -hmm. an outcome culture? 
Mm. That's that's more of where the challenge is. I think you need both. You need both. You need, you need both. Both yeah, has to happen. Because, but ultimately, yeah. your outcome culture has to supersede your output culture. Mm. Because mm. if it doesn't, you're just going to be building and doing random shit that doesn't really mm. lead anywhere. <laughs> that nobody wants. <laughs> then, you know, that then no one really just, wants. Yeah. <laughs> nobody really cares. You know, if uh, you know, I don't know if 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 your product is five percent stronger each year because whatever you have is good enough yeah it's like it's very similar to like the way i look at like the the finance industry it's like Mm -hmm. i don't really care well i mean i do kind of care how much money that you've made for me because of the investments or because of the business deal i did with you Mm -hmm. but ultimately it's like how did you make me feel (laughs) <laughs> right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. as a customer mm-hmm. right it's like yeah did you uh you know always come back to me and give me good advice were you always someone mm-hmm. that i can lean on as a trusted person right that's mm-hmm. usually on the finance side where... exactly it's it's a it's a it's a response right? yeah it's the and, response and the, and the way you make it's a relationship management. Like, like how did you mm-hmm. like that's ultimately where 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 that feels where it's on on the tech side of things tech is now all about how does our technology make you feel right if you really think mm-hmm. about it right when tech was originally started coming out it's like how do we make you more efficient how do we yeah. make sure you make more money how do we make sure that you save mm-hmm. more time now it's more about like mm-hmm. when i interact so, with this product or service mm-hmm. do i feel happy <laughs> right yeah yeah or it's like I do i feel satisfied that it's able to do the job that's supposed to do and I don't feel mm-hmm. like it's a, it has like negative impact in the way I do mm-hmm. things every day. And you mm-hmm. can see that very easily just on like your phone and whatnot. Okay. I feel like tech is now like fully understanding mm-hmm. how to make, how to make you feel happy. <laughs> 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 right. Um, whereas mm-hmm. like the finance industry has been doing that for years. Right. Mm, um mm. and now where finance is like getting their ass kicked is they don't have the tech to catch up but they got the relationship part right right yeah they so, have the relationship part mm. right but if their tech mm. doesn't catch up to the way they do relationship then it's critical then yeah. it's gonna be like the robin hoods of the world like <laughs> taking over finance mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think it would just get dissected one by one, yeah. And but you know, I, I you know, I feel like a lot of fintech companies nowadays are hiring, like you know, relationship, you know, people from finance. So you know, maybe that transition is going to you know happen eventually. Is, are, you, and are you looking for a new job? <laughs> is that what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, like opportunities, I think are out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, uh, mm. I wouldn't be too afraid about, you know, this whole AI stuff. I, I do th- mm-hmm. think that people, ultimately, people drive other people and people want to work mm-hmm. with other people. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the the whole idea of remote work is just just think of it as an enhancement to the things we're continuing to build on and Mm -hmm. at some point it's just going to make everyone's lives easier it's going Mm -hmm. to be make 
your ability or people's individual ability to make money even faster and more. It's, it's like a it's like an enhancer. It's an enhancer. It's not, it's, like okay. you mm. you your reach of your ability to reach markets are bigger because you don't have to travel. You're more efficient. Mm-hmm. You can the market is bigger. You can make more money as a result of this because tech is ultimately a way to make things cheaper, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just just build your your relationship skills, your ability to communicate, and I think that's ultimately going to be the most important thing you'll need. Thanks for listening to the K Koji podcast. You can find more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Keep up to date by following us on Twitter and Instagram at K Koji Podcast. If you would like to support the program, you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash K Koji.